Welcome to Who All Gonna Be There, a podcast by artists for artists. We talk casually about everything, sometimes we get messy, and it all counts as art because we say so. I'm Mel, I'm black and a woman and an artist. My individual Venn diagram for these things is just a circle. This week, I'm a representative for the estate of Dr. Emmett Brown, a flux capacitor repair woman, and I give free lessons on the robot at the community center down the street on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Yo, what's up? I'm Max, Maximiliano, Maxi Max. Um, I'm surviving till May and trying to do money dances. Hello, well. How to support Nat Turner Project. Subscribe to be a Patreon of Nat Turner Project because there's tons of great perks. Uh, supporting us, duh. Also exclusive Patreon-only podcast episodes and our now legendary Patreon-exclusive long-running zine publication, Book of Sedition. NTP, we got an Etsy with all of our publications and the newest one, Black Abbey. We got tons, we got totes, we got buttons, we got advice, et cetera. And our buttons are now limited edition, um, very small runs. So hold on to them, they will become future currency. Subscribe to us on iTunes and all streaming platforms. Follow us at Nat Turner Project on the social medias. Subscribe to us on iTunes and all the streaming platforms. Got a question or comment, want to confess your love of Melanie or me? Email us at Project Zero. Because without the zero, it goes to some white lady on the East Coast. Weird. All right. So today we are very, very excited to be sitting with Rashida Phillips of Black Quantum Futurism. Um, Rashida Phillips is an artist, author, community activist, and lawyer based in Philadelphia. She is the creator of the Afrofuturist Affair, and together with Kamai Ayua, the Black Quantum Futurism, multi Futurism Multidisciplinary Artist Collective. Um, Black Quantum Futurism, or BQF, is a new approach to living and experiencing reality by way of the manipulation of space-time in order to see into possible futures and or collapse space-time into a desired future in order to bring about that future's reality. 
The vision and practice derives its facets, tenets, and qualities from quantum physics, future, futurist traditions, and Black African cultural traditions of consciousness, time, and space. Uh, welcome, Rashida. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Hello. Hello. So we're going to start this off by asking the question we ask everybody um, ever since March of 2020. Um, first off, how are you? How are you doing with all of this um, that is the last two years? Has it been two years? Dear Lord, like, <laughs> that is the, that's the million dollar, I don't know how to answer this question. Like, I, if I didn't know before how to answer, like, how are you doing? I definitely don't know now. But now it feels like it's a little more honest, like it's okay to be like, I'm just okay. Or like, I'm all right, instead of being like good, because like now no one's good. So mm -hmm. yeah, I'm kind of there, like I'm okay. <laughs> I'm <laughs> settled into this shifted reality. Um, it's been a really interesting time to think about the thing I like to think about most, which is time and temporality and how all of this has impacted that. Um, so yeah, I'm rolling with the punches. Like I'm very fortunate. I have a home. I have a girlfriend. I have food. <laughs> <laughs> lives with me, so I'm not worried and anxious about them being out in the world. So, relatively speaking, I'm doing well and um, surrounded by my books and things I like. My life has definitely drastically changed in terms of like before I was traveling a lot with my art and my my work and um, yeah, just being able to do a lot of other things, but um, it's been good to also be home and to be more grounded in community and to connect with community members. I've been able to support um, community-based work in ways that I wasn't able to before when I was traveling all the time, so it's been a good opportunity to be able to support those folks. Um, yeah, and it's been all right. I'm all right. <laughs> so, yeah, that's pretty, that, I mean, that seems pretty good. You've got all the necessities. Um, there's been a lot of conversation, I think, lately, um, discourse around the kind of privilege that has been allowed Black folks who have been able to work from home and kind of um, get away from the daily microaggressions of like office life um, and those kind of like office politics. Uh, do you feel that? No. <laughs> I think it's just transformed itself into different things like it's interesting because before the pandemic hit um i had switched jobs and i was working from home already so i had started like working remotely like maybe eight months before the pandemic or something like that and um i was experiencing like heightened sense of microaggressions from like switching over to remote work um like just like things like my boss being like you look mad today, you know, just like hyper focus on my face and my facial expressions and how I was doing things or like, if I didn't come onto the zoom or call immediately and turn my camera on, like getting called out in the middle of the meeting or just like, so no, it didn't oh, really wow. change it. It just transformed. It just became a different type of, um, microaggression, if you want to call it that. And like, um, yeah, just like the sort of, not understanding of like different cultural norms around like seeing into your home or just like different things like that that i just think people don't care about or consider um or just like 
for example, um, when the George Floyd murder happened or the racial uprisings, like connecting with staff on a Zoom while you're in the middle of like a traumatizing thing happening in, in your community in the larger world um, was just really difficult. Like no one knew how to act. People were messing up <laughs> everything yeah, yeah. in terms of like white colleagues saying all the wrong things and just you not being there in person to be able to like check them or just like set up a certain sense of boundaries like go in your office and shut the door just like those possibilities were gone so i think if anything it 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 felt heightened in some ways and just like different um and harder to get used to because of the pandemic happening in the, in the midst of all of that so yeah wow okay. <laughs> <laughs> well i'm sorry to hear that yeah um I guess for me, I just, I choose to opt out of a lot of those conversations in general. And I feel like if I'm there in person, I get forced into them. So it's been nice to avoid people during those moments, but I can see how some folks just don't have that luxury just by virtue of what they do. Um, right. Yeah, exactly. And I work with a large staff, like there's 30 people on my, in my unit <laughs> and I work yeah. in a legal services organization. So everything we're talking about is related to injustice and all of the sadness and oppression happening in the world is like an everyday subject of our, of our work. So just, yeah, it is hard to like kind of escape it in that sense, but yeah. Yeah, I can see your side of it too. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I know it's really great to have you, and I'm super excited to talk to you. Um, I first had like heard about like Black Contour Futures, I feel like a few years ago. Um, somebody had like give me a, um the book or the first volume. Um, and then also um a few years ago, I think around the same time, I was like introduced to like More Mother and um that music, and then um More Mother like actually came uh to portland back in like 2016 i think or something like that um but then like preparing for this like interview and like reading more about it and thinking about it and um thinking like yeah like about black quantum futurism and then the term like the black quantum futurist like creative and i guess my first question is like is like black quantum futurism magic hmm that's an interesting question um yeah i mean i think in the way that there is everyday magic in our lives, it is a part of that, right? It's a part of that um, understanding of the world as um, inherently magical in terms of what it is and what it does. Like, if you look into quantum physics and like you're reading and thinking, like it feels like magic. It feels like, um, you know, um, it's, it is a total, totally different understanding of reality and, and from the ground up sort of. And so in that way, yes. And I think like a lot of what we look into, like some of our work really breaks down sort of the elements of different aspects of reality, like hearing, like seeing and understanding sort of what are the metaphysics of those different things. And in that way, I think it is touching on magic or like thinking about our world um, and our language as, formulating spells when we speak and like so really being into etymology and sort of like the breakdown of what words mean and um what energy those words carry you know so bringing in numerology and all of those different things so definitely our work engages with that i mean we don't call it that obviously um and, and or but right i think folks who do connect with our with our theory and practice and have used it 
and crafted it or recontextualized it for their own practices or purposes might call it magic or might see magic in it and, and you know, use those tools or practices to engage with Black quantum futurism, which I think would be incredibly valid. So yes. Um, so your work deals, uh, poignantly deals with and details and illustrates the very special and complex relationship that Black people have with time. Do you think that the foundation of this relationship is based on the daily nuances and necessities of Black life and survival? Or do you think that this way of processing time is inherited and passed down? I think both. Um, I think time deals with all of those different scales and temporalities. Um, and I think Black quantum futurism is understanding time as being complex in those different ways, as it being something that is both mundane and with you in the everyday reality, like the second by second reality that we um, live in, in in our Western, you know, in our Western societies, on up to sort of more global time or universal time, or thinking about how time and temporality shows up in our cultures or shows up in our households or shows up in our, um, you know, in our ancestral practices and how those things have been passed down to us. Um, so yeah, so we definitely deal with it um, on those various scales. Um, and part of why it's important that we think about it on those scales is because so many of us um, do not have access um, to the past in a sort of direct way, um, in the way of being able to look up their family history easily or having artifacts or photographs or any of that. Like for me and my own personal family, I can't go back more than two generations. And so I have to do the work of speculation and understanding what memories have been passed down um, genetically and, and, and in other ways um, in order to access um, those, those pieces of myself. So absolutely, um, we deal with it in those various ways. And like some, some of the ways that we think about it is um, we have this um, concept called the Black grandmother paradox um, that is really sort of meant to be the sort of opposite of the grandfather paradox, which is um, a time travel paradox that basically says that um, going into the past, you know, if you were to be able to time travel back to the past, for example, you may come across your grandfather and kill your grandfather. And so that would inherently be a contradiction. You wouldn't be able to be born if that were possible. Um, and so, sorry, I'm gonna stop because it looks like I'm freezing up. Oh. Am I glitching for you guys? No. Oh. Weird, sorry. Okay, sorry, let me just close out of some applications so then. Okay. Okay, I just got out of my work email, so. Okay, sorry. Um, so yeah, so what was I saying? So the, um, so yeah, so this concept of the grandfather paradox, which is basically used in, used in time travel to say that time travel is impossible 
um, but looking at the ways that Black women experience time, and, and again, another concept that we use is called Black womanist temporalities, um, thinking about the ways that Black women experience time um, and how our grandmothers experience time, right, that really turns the grandfather paradox on its head, and so thinking about the Black grandmother paradox, and a lot of that was also inspired by, like, Octavia Butler's Kindred and um, other analyzing and looking at other um, ways that Black womanist temporalities show up in literature and film and things like that. Um, and so developing that Black grandmother paradox um, essentially is saying that like, right, there is no, par it doesn't create a paradox for us to travel back into time um, in, the, in the same way. Like we can do that because we experience time in different ways. It's not linear. Um, these, you know, our ancestors and our cultural traditions are always with us. Um, they're just maybe at a on a different temporal plane, but they're, they're still present. Um, and so honoring those traditions, honoring those temporalities, honoring those ways of, of engaging um, with our ancestors and with our future generations in that same way allows us um, to time travel or to engage with these temporalities in different ways. So, so we look, our work looks at that and considers um, those things on different scales. Um, I think that it's, uh, and you, you mentioned this um, in, the, in volume one of the Black Quantum Futurism book, but Western society is kind of built on this concept of linear time, um, which I believe is very much on purpose and very much about forgetting um, and what that facilitates within our society. So in that vein, um, I feel like our current circumstances with, with COVID and this plague have forced a lot of society to sort of see the gaps in linear time and to kind of acknowledge, um, you know, just how complex these temporalities are. Do you feel like this could be kind of opening some sort of portal into like a newer ways of existing within time or do you think it'll just snap back eventually? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I struggle with that a lot. Um, some days I feel differently. Some days I feel like um, it is, it has created a opening in a new way and people are at least talking about it. But then there's ev ev evidence that people are scrambling so hard to get back to the old way. And it just makes me, you know, it just makes me feel like, yeah, people are going to people are searching for the new normal and the new normal is actually in fact old normal because we haven't shifted our relationship to these constructs of time and space mm -hmm. um but at the same time right afrofuturism and i think um what it has taught me a lot is about my sense of hope and transforming my sense of hope from being linear and from wanting these very linear outcomes from things and so understanding that things you know if i really take what i'm saying and what i think and believe for for true right that time is not linear that what i people aren't going to all reach some pinnacle at the same time like people are going to arrive at these things at different times and so we're not all going to have some awakening at one moment that looks like something and so yes it is a portal but not everybody goes through that portal um right and so it you know just grappling with that it's it's challenging to think about that but right that's part of the work too of like um we have to continue to bring people along and um you know continue to yeah put people through the portal if you will yeah. so yeah so i have some hope um i also 
feel, you know, cynical on a lot of days, um, but hope is hope, you know, springs eternal or something. <laughs> um, this is kind of like, uh, I think just been touched on a little bit, but um, like I've, I've been thinking or if like maybe from like how I'm understanding like black quantum futurism and I'm particularly like um, thinking about this idea of like um, from the future, like moving backwards and then um, trying to like, because I think too, like part of like um, what I was like feeling with like this idea of like the believing in it, the more the more being able to visualize and see it, the more real it like it becomes, and then um, like feeling that, but then trying to like feel like um, like visioning that, but then still feeling the like the constraints of existing like in like a world that doesn't see that at all, like still having like time and like responsibilities and like but then trying to like um start to visualize and like live a different way but also like unlearn all my like 30 plus years of like being attached to like a moving clock in that way and then um yeah i guess like like at what point does like the the like attempt start to like um do you see it reflected in the reality if that's yeah i guess that yeah that's such a great question um i think in some ways again you know sort of kind of what i just touched on like the expectation and the one the expectation that has been built into us inculcated into us since time immemorial is that right our reality is supposed to immediately reflect all of these different things um, and it's so like it's understanding that sometimes the, the, the like the detail, the small details creep in, right? It, it's it is the shift in like the slow things of like how you think and how you see the world. And it's having those conversations with others to be like, oh, actually, time is not linear. Like these are the ways that things are not linear, and these are the ways that the, these things show up in reality. So I think it's like more slow building because like it, we are talking about nothing less than like totally in completely revolutionizing the way that everything in the world operates right now um, in terms of time. And that's no small feat. And so you, you do have to take it sort of step by step and understand where it does show up in your practical reality, where you can make those shifts in your own reality um, around those things. And then you share that with others and then you build on those practices. And so like part of it, right, like is um, for Black Town Futurism, we do a program annually called Time Camp. Um, and so at time camp, um, we have other people come and do workshops on time and temporality, and it could be on anything like related to time and temporality. And just the ways that people construct their workshops is like, it's related to everything. It's meditation and yoga, trauma, dancing, like all of the array of topics that people show up with and like, this is how they're thinking about time and their everyday reality. So it's about these practices like astrology. Those are temporal practices and time practices and so it's it's those simple things like because such time is such a ubiquitous part of our lives it's a, such a wrapped in everything it is no less than like unraveling every single construct in our life and understanding where time shows up and how we can think about it differently or how we can shift our relationship to it um i think about it a lot in my work as an attorney um and that's a place where i feel like i can really have an impact on how temporal constructs show up in the work one, I can bring awareness to it. And so I bring Afrofuturism into my work as an attorney 
um, by just talking about and pointing out the ways that time shows up in the courts for Black people. Um, when I'm serving a tenant who's about to be evicted, the temporal constructs that are built into how long it's going to take for them to be evicted, three weeks from the time the landlord sends them a notice or whatever, all of those different time constructs that show up. And then as an advocate, I am laser focused on how the resolutions that I'm proposing as an advocate deal with the temporal constructs. And so, for example, one of the pieces of legislation that I'm working on um, is a bill that would have a tenant screening policy that would say that landlords can't look at certain types of eviction records. And so that's all about time. Like that's all about changing the nature of the past, some record that occurred in the past, maybe 10 years ago, right? That is still continuing to have an impact on somebody's present, changing that relationship of that past to the future and changing and changing the outcomes for that person that that past record where previously a landlord could use that record and do whatever they want with it and saying, look, this is the cutoff. You can't look beyond this period or you can't just consider that eviction record. You have to be able to allow this tenant to bring you additional information that's gonna change that past eviction record and, and give it, add more information, right? Where we've always been taught that you can't change the past. There's no way you can change. Yes, you can change the past. I can give you more information that changes what that record says or corrects that record or whatever or I can erase that record from history. Um, and then that totally changes the past. You won't know that this person ever had an eviction record because it's not relevant to you. Um, so, right, those are the practical ways, like when we really talk about and think about how time constructs show up in our everyday life, our everyday work, it starts with thinking about and changing our own relationship to it before we can, you know, expect the world to sort of change it. And hopefully the world will follow, right, at some point. So that's, that's kind of how I think about it. But I think it's a it's a everyday struggle. Your question is it's a great question, and like I think about it again, like I have to work a nine to five. Like I have a kid, I have a house, I have to pay my bills. Like I do have to go to work, despite me revolution, you know, trying to revolutionize how I experience time. Um, so yeah, it is a balance with that. And um, but I think right also when we think about these things as non-binary, right? And and I think. Um, when we stop binarizing our experiences and expecting that things have to be one or the other. Um, and that's what quantum physics teaches me is that things aren't just one or the other, like a particle, a piece of light is both a particle and a wave. And so two things can be true at once for one thing, right? And so I try to understand that when I'm trying to balance out my like work life and my artistic life where I can think more liberally about time and, and you know, temporality. Thinking about like your work life and your creative life, do you feel like there's a way for black folks to kind of smoothly or learn how to smoothly and successfully navigate between these constructs of temporality within these worlds? Like, can there be like active pushback against um, the ways in which um, Western society kind of um, constrains us temporarily um, in a way that is um, liberating, in your opinion? Yeah, that question's deep, because I was about to be like, yeah, we've been doing it since forever. But then when you said, in a way that's liberating, right? That's the, that's the hard part. Um, yeah, I mean, that is, that's the hard part. Like, we do it. We've 
been doing it. We've been doing it since we were forced over here. Um, we have been bucking the system and shifting the system and revolutionizing how time shows up for us and pushing back against and challenging. And we still do it. I think that's code switching. That's the ways that we move in our in our workspaces. Um, definitely. <laughs> But can we do that meaningfully and in a way that's not reactionary and in a way that's liberating? Yes, I think it's possible, um, but I think it's really challenging. And I think um, we have to be clear um, because I think, right, so much of racism and racial oppression and temporal oppression is tied into capitalism. Mm -hmm. And when we sort of, you know, there's, there's a sort of, split among us, I think, around what we're fighting for. Like, are we fighting for our right to be capitalists? Or are we fighting for our right to be liberated and to have a choice to be capitalist or not be capitalist? Are we fighting for no one to ever be capitalist? And are we dismissed? So right, as long as some of us have different goals, which I'm not saying that's right or wrong, um, I just think it, it's challenging to think of what will totally liberate us. Um, but I can think of some things that will liberate some of us. And I think that is um, sort of the work that we're doing around reshaping, which I think the pandemic does, has given an opportunity to sort of reshape how our workspaces are and push back against. So like, even like at my workplace where we forever have never worked remotely, the place that I work now, we've never worked remotely prior to the pandemic. Um, and now, People are like, we ain't, we don't need to be there and do the, you know, to do our work and to do it well. We have shown that, right? Like once people start going back to work, we don't need to go back to work full time. Um, we can work remotely and do our work excellently, right? And so I think as long as black folks can be in those conversations and push and challenge to have more freedom and flexibility around our time and temporality and, and to show that, um, to sort of, understand these tensions around labor, time, money, how those things are interconnected, capitalism, all those different things. Yeah, until we start having those conversations, we're, we're a long ways off, but I think it is possible for some people. But I think for those folks who are, who their goal is, right, to be capitalists or to have wealth or to gain wealth, you're always gonna be tethered to the clock. It's just because it's so intertwined um, in that way. So I, I yeah. There's um something I just started thinking about like a couple days ago on um I feel like there's like a TikTok video going around about uh like somebody explaining like time or introducing time like clocks and stuff like that um but then thinking about like still like wanting um to like yeah push back against time but then thinking like oh yeah like if the Sumerians came up with like the 360 and like all these like ways that we still like have time but then they were based on some like something like around like earth cycles or like space is there something to still be like um held on to with that but then um thinking about like what you just said about like the idea of like quantum physics things being multiple things can exist then is it still like that that idea of time is just like a one idea that can exist if in a if we have like a multitude of understandings of time yeah no totally i mean you said it, I mean, like the Afro diasporan traditions of time and temporality, which are just many, there's like, so, you know, there's as many 
traditions as there is cultures on, on out in the diaspora. Um, but ultimately, like a feature that you find amongst them is that they're connected to nat more natural cycles. They're connected to the sun setting and rising. They're connected to the cycles of, of the seasons. They're connected to plant, you know, planting cycles, all of those different things that are um, more based on communal markers of time than it is to a clock that's supposed to be objective and supposed to be, but there's all kinds of politics, hidden politics that go into that Western clock and a history there that is ultimately intertwined with colonialism and other things that, um, and capitalism, and, and again, things that we just take for granted, but that are built into that clock, just as much as a map. You know, we can look at a map and think of a map as objective, but all kinds of politics go into the creation of a map and who, what's highlighted, what symbolized on that map, who created it, whose perspective, um, you know, how big something is, how small something is. So just thinking about that, yes. And I think, um, you know, black people and people of color, just looking again at our cultural traditions, the ones we still hold and carry in our homes when we don't have to be under the watchful eye of the master's clock, um, show and are evident that they're so polyrhythmic and they're so multi-varied, right? And so if we can get back to that where the clock is not supreme, um, you know, that's that's what we need to move towards. And that's some of the work that I'm doing. Um, so one of the things I have um, that I'm working on right now, a project is called Time Zone Protocols, um, which is a um, project through the Verilis Center at the New School. It's a fellowship, um, sort of research and art, art, artistic fellowship, where I'm doing a deep dive research into um, the time zone protocols that created the um, all of the U.S. continental time zones and then the global time zones that govern everything from flights and everything, you know, um, that where the um, prime meridian is. And so that that conference, it was it was called the Prime Meridian Conference in 1884, where they set all these time zones and made the decisions about where the prime meridian would be, which is in Greenwich, England. Um, London. So I'm doing a deep dive into that and just looking at the sort of cultural context surrounding it, particularly for Black people and what was happening historically um, for Black people at that time, and also thinking about things like the railroads and um, Black people's relationship to railroads and trains and that as a marker of time and other just cultural markers of time that we held, you know, or, or that enslaved Africans um had to had to utilize um you know whether it's the north star or whatever you know um so anyway just looking at those different um constructs around it and then part of the idea behind the project is to sort of rewrite the time zones <laughs> so like sort of remap the time zones with sort of black cultural temporal markers instead and so that will include sort of thinking about the other ways that we mark or experience time um in our cultures and 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 within our traditions um, including like Black American traditions too, not just like, um, you know, I, I don't think we always have to reach out to the di di diaspora to understand those. We have lots of amazing Black cultural traditions of time and temporality um, that are just so rich, um, you know, if we can sort of um, extrapolate from them and learn from them. So so that's part of the work um, I'm working on. And I know, you know, other folks uh, are, are thinking about these things in different ways especially like indigenous um, futurisms and, the, and those folks thinking about that uh, kind of stuff. Too. Um, 
in um, researching Black quantum futurism, I saw that um, BQ BQF has recently been uh, rewarded um, um, the uh, residency at, I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm saying this correct, but Kern, um, the European Organization for Nuclear Research. Um, uh, this, it's, when I was reading on, uh, on what that is, it seemed like a really fascinating, like, um, kind of hybrid and merge of, of STEM and humanities. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that and the project that you, you will be working on there? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so CERN is um, located in Geneva, Switzerland, and it's the largest particle phys physics lab in the world. And so they do a lot of um, just experiments around quantum physics and other things there. Um, and they have this uh, huge machine called um, a Large Hadron Collider, where they smash particles of <laughs> particles together there. So do all types of experiments there. Um, but they also have an artist residency program. Um, and so it's just amazing that, you know, they think directly around the ways that arts and science inform each other and, and um, interact with each other um, and understanding that the ways that the imagination plays and, and, um, and creativity plays in science. Um, so it's just an amazing opportunity, um, especially because the, a lot of the focus of our work is at the intersections of quantum physics and time. Um, and so to have, you know, two Black people from, we're Black people from North Philly <laughs> coming to Geneva, Switzerland to talk to some quantum physicists about our ideas of time and temporality is just really fucking amazing. Like, it's just, I don't even know what to say. Like, <laughs> I don't, I'm speechless. Um, so yeah, we get to go there. Um, we'll be spending, we get to spend two months at CERN um, in Geneva. And then we also get to spend a month in Barcelona um, producing new artwork um, at a um, arts lab out there. Um, so yeah, it's, and so our project is called CPT, Symmetry and Violations. Mm -hmm. so, um, looking at, so CPT, Symmetry and Violations is a, physics term that means charge, parity, and time. Um, and so it's basically like the three fundamental like principles of the universe or, or some, you know, just um, those things have to sort of be in alignment or have symmetry. And then violations of those things would like be question our reality, basically would be a question of our reality if those things didn't, weren't in symmetry with each other. Um, but CPT, of course, also means color people time, right? So it was just like so perfect um, to explore <laughs> both like time and temporality on its various scales from the quantum, you know, from the physics particle, um, from a particle to universal scales of time and to think about how black people experience time and ways of shifting our notions of time in alignment with um, alternative ways of experiencing time and temporality. So it's just such an amazing, of course, we're black quantum futurism, right? So much of our work is inspired by quantum physics and um, how quantum physics thinks about and treats time. So it's just really such a, a amazing opportunity to have these conversations um, and to hopefully cross pollinate and to be able to not only learn from them, but have them learn from us about um, our ways of um, thinking about time and what art allows us to do to sort of demonstrate 
those different ways of experiencing and interacting with time that is not linear. So whether it's through film or through our collage work or through one of the things that we have is um, one of our friends um, worked on with us, um, these clocks that um, call bio clocks that shift depending on your proximity to them. So we have a bunch of these clocks that um, you, when you walk up to it, the hands spin frontwards or backwards, the further away you get away. Um, a digital one that counts down the closer you get to it and then counts up as you move away from it. And then we have one that's activated by sound. And then last summer we were able to build um, in, in Marseille, Paris, uh, I'm sorry, Marseille, France, as part of a exhibition, we built a these large stages that had this bio clock compass like built into the middle of the stage. So as people were on the stage, it spun. Um, and the time markers were like future, past, present, right? So just really being able to build in reality these technologies that um, have us question our sense of time and, and how we experience time and temporality and, and figure out new ways of doing that that are not tethered to the um, master's clock or the mechanical clock or the digital clock. Um, from like already talking to you, I feel like I already have like a better understanding of um, like black quantum futurism. So like, I feel like some of my questions, I feel like I've somewhat answered. Um, but uh, then I still, um, yeah, one of the things I think um, that I was like into or like attracted to is um, something I feel like I, I, I like heard about um, when I was like younger, this idea of um, like subatomic particles being like conscious and like that ability to like um, actually like will on them and then thinking about um, like what is like talked about as far as like um, this, like, again, this idea of like um, being able to like craft the future then like move backwards. And um, yeah, I was just like thinking about um, those like ways or like those practices, but then um, also like, I feel like some of that um, I think you already said with like uh, changing times and like your like job and stuff like that and the ways like time has already changed in that sense. Um, but yeah, like if I, I guess I'm asking like if it is like um, this like, yeah, envisioning, like actualizing and then like acting towards the future. And then like the more you're doing that, the it becomes, it like gets there in that time. Or I guess like this idea of like using the future to, um, change the president, I guess, yeah, big question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Um, yeah, I mean, I think in our, first of all, like what you just said about like what you saw when you were younger, like same sort of stuff inspired me um, to really think more about quantum physics and to get into it, um, particularly the um, documentary, What the Bleep Do We Know? Um, which was like, if you've never seen it, just like this three hour documentary of like all of these different quantum physicists and like philosophers and scientists just talking about how quantum physics like is, is alive and like can shift our intent, just all of the things that you just talked about. Um, but it was like called Soto science and like people dismissed it as, you know, um, junk, but like it inspired me to like go deeper into like what quantum physics was and like, when you you know do go down into um, sort of the philosophy of quantum physics and science and being able to understand how those things can be extrapolated into reality, um, yeah. And so like for me, um, 
what has been powerful is like both like learning so much more about quantum physics theory and the principles there and then reading so much more about black cultural traditions and practices and then like looking at where those things align um in ways that make me feel like it's so possible you know to shift the past and the future into time travel into all these different things because people have done it it's just we call it something different or we delegitimize it because it doesn't align with western science terms or things like that um and so like one of those things um for example is like the practice of indigenous griots, griots um right whose work was about um sort of recalling the past and and transmitting that past to future generations and like this this um thing that you know is not necessarily linear right but it, it just understands again how information travels and how oral histories and oral futures travels within these cultures and for me like as a black quantum futurist my work is like the reverse of that like i feel like it's possible to like um inform the past about different things so like some of my work um talks about that like you know and i've written about this as speculative fiction but i really believe this stuff right like so for example i wrote this story about um this granddaughter in the future who was able to sort of transmit information backwards into time about the 1919 race riots to her great-great-grandmother so that her great-great-grandmother could warn people about what was to come um right so just like different things like that like just in the same way that like in octavia butler's kindred right she was she anticipated what tools she needed in the past that would be helpful and was able to take those back like a map of the future you know of the future so just like thinking about those different things again like you know um we have to talk about it in speculative terms because we're written off you know if we talk about it as as serious but Right, these are our traditions. These are the things that these these are the things that um, people have done for thousands and thousands of years before Western science ever came about. These are the things that actually inform Western science, but they don't tell you that, right? So, like, you can look at quantum physics all day and see the sort of African indigenous thinking there, um, in philosophy, right? This like whole idea of binarized thinking is a very Western construct, right? So, prior to that, right, we didn't think in by like it just wasn't like that um so yeah so like if we rely on those traditions what what is already within us and again what we already practice within our homes or or within our communities um hell yeah we can change the future and we can create the future and we can shift the past and we can do any kind of configuration or relationship we want um and again i think quantum physics tells us that's possible um you know if um like there's this concept called the quantum eraser that like erases the past and overlays the future, like just all this crazy shit, right? That particles can do it, particles can do it, why can't we do it? Aren't we made of particles? You know, like that's a little more reductive than it really is, right? But like, I really believe that kind of stuff. So, so yeah, so that's what I'm up with. Um, and if we believe it, right, that's 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 the start. Like we, we create our realities and our realities, half of our realities is what we, know you know already and we fill in the rest right and so we can shift um our brain is malleable um and, and our brain allows us to do things like shift our, our realities and our natures to re our relationship to reality um and we can do that with our other structures too and i think like white people know that right and they've been operating on these kinds of principles but they don't tell us that they just do whatever the fuck they want 
So once we understand, right, we also have the power. Um, and our, our traditions tell us it's, it's true. Science tells us, tells us these things are, are possible and real. Um, once we start believing it, you know, who knows what's possible? Anything's possible. Kind of like further building on this idea of um, the future changing things in the present and the past, because uh, that's something that I'm kind of exploring in some work that I'm doing. Uh, do you mean, do you mean that like literally like there are things that are happening right now in this moment, in this moment, in this moment, so on and so on, that is the future kind of reaching back and pulling us toward like certain outcomes? Or is, is there something, I, I don't know, is there something else to that? Yeah, I mean, I can't say I have it all worked out either, right? But I think um, the different possibilities that I've explored through like speculation and through writing science, you know, quote unquote science fiction, or even just in examining my own life um, and the things that have happened in my own life. Yeah, I do think that, like, I do think, right, for example, and again, like, I think films and media have built us up to think of things as like should look a certain way right and so like if somebody's time traveling it's going to be a big flash bang boom it's going to be lightning it's going to be a machine in the corner it's going to be you know like when i take all of that out of it and like my preconceptions of what this is supposed to look like um that opens up all sorts of possibilities of what that means and so like for me I can communicate with my 14 year old self. And I have done that, right? Like I have done that. Like I remember, I can remember being a child and like looking into, staring into the mirror and like seeing my future self. Or like, you know, and like, I take those things as reality. Um, and, and for me, that is what time travel has to look like. Like I, I am not expecting that like my body is gonna blink out and I'm gonna be in the past. I think it's happening simultaneously with me being here right now and other things happening or like I can set my intentions to jump back into the or, or whatever to see into the future or whatever and I think um you know part of what I wrote about in B2F theory and practice one is that like in some ways it's like um you know certain things were just set on autopilot for and so we fill in the gaps with certain things um but there are things that we can take off autopilot and be more intentional about shaping if we want to right and so there's like different levels of our connection to that creative ability some people want to be or can't for some reasons get off of autopilot when it comes to determining their future outcomes some people can some people can take full control of that some people, most people probably are a little bit in between. Um, and I think, again, we say and take for granted that we can't change the past, but we absolutely can. Whether we mean in a very practical way of like, I'm just, you know, white people for many, many years have cut us off from our past and our and information about our past, whether it's just finding a way to recover those pasts. That is changing the past, changing the future. That's changing the present. That's changing the past also. Um, or it could be like, I think there is a way to like actually change events in the past, like actually shift them 
but I haven't quite come across the formula for that yet. So I'm working on that, right? So, so there's still so much more to do with this work. Um, and it, that's why it's just like endlessly interesting. Um, I'm sure like we could talk about this for hours, but the podcast <laughs> is only an hour. So there goes time, right? So like, just like, it's, it's so malleable and it's so, it's even more fun when I can get with folks like you and like really think about this, like, what does this look like, right? Cause it can't just be something I determine. Like there's a level to which, yes, it's personal to me and I can shift things in my life, but like, I also want to know how to shift reality, common reality with other people too. And that can't just be me. So that's why I don't like, like, like I love time. Tra- I love every time travel film I've ever seen because it's just Same. Really entertaining, right? But <laughs> there's a lot of problems there when we really break it down to like what they're doing, and it's so often one person, some white man, determining, <laughs> right, with no morals about anything, whether or not he's going to go into the past and shift the past and not kill Hitler or whatever. Like, <laughs> no, that should not be a decision that just you have. Like, <laughs> consult with a couple more people. Right, so like I'm really interested in like, again, how we think about that in black traditions, like how would we make that kind of a decision? It wouldn't just be me, like it would be, we come together as a community and be like, who's traveling? Why, what is one, you know? So like just working through that kind of stuff, like it's just endlessly interesting to me. So um, yeah, I look forward to like engaging with more people about like, how do we do this thing together? No, yeah, I definitely, yeah, I definitely agree. I feel like um, they're so, I feel like an infinite amount of like questions or scenarios to like think about or like try to run over in like your head or like in conversations or whatever. Um, but yeah, but I guess like we we exist <laughs> in time and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, this I feel like yeah, this has been great and been super fun talking. So yeah, yeah, awesome. Please feel free to bring me back in the future. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> no problem. Close. We can do our parting words. Okay. Um, so, Max, you want to go first with parting words? Yeah. Um, thank you. Thank you, Rashida, for being our guest. Thank you. Uh, this has been an amazing conversation. Um, thank you to Melanie. Um, yeah, I feel like this has been super great. I'm going to have to sit and think about everything we talked about for a few hours now and stuff and <laughs> digest and think and draw some maps and stuff. But yeah, this has been amazing. Yeah. Um, and I'd like to reiterate what Max said. Thank you so much, Rashida, for chatting with us about time. It is one of my favorite things ever, and I, I wish I could talk to you more. Um, I feel like I can talk about um, the aesthetics of time uh, um, and temporality in pop culture for hours, so maybe <laughs> we can do like a repeat yeah. visit on that. <laughs> I saw you had Tenet down. I would have loved to have talked about Tenet, so we'll have to do a movie Yes. Like, yeah. <laughs> <Chat or something. laughs> um, um, and we, um, as is our custom, you uh, will have the final word for the episode, the party. Yeah, word. thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. It was a pleasure to talk to y'all. It's always amazing to talk to folks of color and Black folks about time and time travel and temporality. Um, I just feel like it's such a natural topic for us to like dive into and like all the different ways that we experience and deal with time that's so interesting and culturally specific um that once you start digging into it people just yeah it's, it, it feels obvious so so yeah thank you so much for having me um i love you guys this project um wish you much success and like stay connected um would love for us to build in the future about all this stuff yeah oh yeah awesome thanks thank you